Hey everyone, this is Jabez here, the host of the Library Scoop, the official podcast of the Niles Main District Library. Today we have an awesome guest. Her name is Erin Fountain. She is the co-founder and executive director for the Institute for Positive Mental Health in Oak Park. As the co-founder and executive director, she spent the last 26 years designing programs that promotes personal growth and development with all ages. Her program is meant to embrace the possibility of growth within our mindset. Conversation was a delight, and we are aware that everyone's going through some sort of a difficult time with either mental health or some sorts of depression. And Aaron offered great insight and recommendations to help us keep moving during these difficult times. Here we go. Aaron, can you give us a little bit of your background just for the audience? Sure. My name is Aaron Fountain. And I am the co-founder and executive director of the Institute for Positive Mental Health. We're 26 years old now. We started in 1994. Just four women. We were all working together and they were laying us off. We worked at the Mental Health Association Mm -hmm. of Greater Chicago and we were going to be out of work and we didn't feel like we should be. And so, so our um, program director had this bright idea that we could start an agency and we did. I was the kid at the time, and they said, Aaron, go figure out how to start a not-for-profit. And I was like, okay. I, had, <laughs> I was literally like six months maybe after graduating, started looking at these things. Just, you know, got the rules and figured out how to do it. We knew we wanted to serve people economically. We wanted to help people get back to work. We knew we wanted to work with people who um, suffer from mental illness. We knew we wanted to help people remove their barriers Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just kind of took steps. We, we took some of these initial steps and then it, the organization took on a life of its own. And so that's how, you know, we're still here 26 years later, having survived, you know, six administrations with the state of Illinois, finally pulled away last year. And so we're doing more community mental health now, too. We were um, primarily focused on helping people get back to work. So if you had lost your job, because of a breakdown, then we were part of your rehabilitation. Right. And that's what my background, that's what my, I have my master's from SIU and uh, rehabilitation administration. And my bachelor's in psychology. Well, before we begin our conversation, I just want to say uh, thank you to all the work, social work and mental health experts do on a daily basis. I know it's a grind, but your work is very valuable. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. To begin, can you give us like a learning moment of like, what is really mental health and why is it so important? Gosh, mental health is huge. People think of mental health in terms of feeling good about yourself. They think of it in terms of confidence and they think of it a lot quite often in terms of illness, which is why people don't like to talk about it. That stigma, that taboo is surrounding mental illness. It's not really about mental health. Although there are some things that are related to mental health that are taboo that that people still don't like to talk about. So you take something like anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I'm going to give you some stories because a lot of times things are best explained in stories. Right. I felt like I was talking to my son's tutor and I was going through a lot. I was going through a divorce. Um, I had Four, I had four sons. They were all in different schools. I had the high school, the middle school, the elementary school. I had the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I had financial issues. I was trying to run this agency and, you know, the state was late in paying us. And I, I'm like, gosh, I think I'm, I think I'm starting to feel anxious. And she's like, now mind you, she's, she's the tutor. I'm the mental health person, right? <laughs> she says to me, Erin, you don't have anxiety. I said, I'm, I'm feeling like I've got anxiety though, because I got a lot going on. She's like, yeah, that's normal though. You have reasons to feel anxious. You're dealing with this all by yourself. You're going through the divorce. She's like, you have reasons to justify every, you know, anxious moment, stressful moment that you're going through. And you're going through a lot of them. She said, I have anxiety. She said, because I don't have any issues. Home life is great. The kids are great. You know, I'm healthy. I don't have a problem to speak of. The money's flowing. She said, and I'm worried sick. She's like, and that's why I take anxiety medicine. And that was huge because not only did she, you know, explain it a little different than I, than I learned it in school, she made it real. She made it practical. And from that moment on, have I experienced anxiety? Absolutely. Have I experienced sadness and sometimes where I felt like, yeah, I might be feeling a little bit depressed. Yep. But it is not clinical. There's a difference between going through life and, and the ups and downs of life and, and needing to talk to someone, needing to get rest, needing to watch your diet, needing to exercise, basically really needing to balance out your life and, and, and ride those, those waves of life compared to people who, you know, you can't say, oh, you know, snap out of it. That was a thing for depression for years. People hated that. And I, and I get it. Because they can't come out of it. No amount of, you know, rest or sleep or changing their diet or um, talking to a friend or hugs um, or taking a nice walk or a bubble bath, that depression still lives with them. And right. that's something that you can't understand unless you've had a clinical level of that. Mm. So absence, that's, that's one of the, the indicators, absence of any, you know, logical, reasonable explanation for what you're going through, what you're feeling, or even the trauma that you've experienced, then that's when you need to start talking to your doctor and saying, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is something more, you know? Right. Well, you bring up a really couple of great points. It's just like, we normally hear mental health as like an illness or the negative stigma of it. Mm -hmm. But also, I think in my viewpoint where the society is coming more along, it's, a, it's just a condition of just like riding the waves of life. You either have a bad wave or a good wave. You just don't know how to manage it or um, balance it. You still need some help. That's right. And those levels of intervention vary also. Right. So, you know, some of that stigma comes from people just being locked away, mm -hmm. but there's all kinds of reasons for it being pushed down or mistreated you know, and, and people being put away and medicated and just the things that they did, you know, back when we call it the dark ages of mental health, um, that you, we've come so far. Mm. We've come so far from that. Right. Um, now, yeah, you can, you can be, you know, suffer from anxiety at a clinical level and there's a treatment for it that, you know, nobody needs to see or know about. There are so many people that are just functioning 
with their medication, with their treatment, with psychotherapy. Um, we just have, we just come so far that we know how to treat things now. Right. You know, and not shame and people don't have to feel ashamed of it, but it hasn't, you know, we're still making ourselves sick. We still have society that, that, that is making people sick. There are a lot of lessons we still haven't learned. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. are certain things we know to be the right thing to do. Right. We, we know when we're, we're overwhelmed, when we're drinking too much coffee, when we're not eating and, you know, three, four days have gone by and you've only snacked a little bit. We know what we need, except we're not really giving ourselves what we need. Right. We're, we're still doing, we're, we're vegging out on Netflix. We're, we're doing things that, although enjoyable in some ways, it's not solving the problem. And when we're having trouble getting back around to, what do I really need? And mm. if we can address it, if we can, I don't know, it's like a grace that we have to give to ourselves to say, geez, I, I really need more. I need to, somebody asked me how I'm doing. I need to say, you know, I'm not too good. I'm feeling down. I'm, I'm exhausted and I need some rest. So take the day. Sometimes we have so much trouble calling in and saying, I need to take my sick day. You know, we almost need the supervisors to go, you know what? I think you need a sick day. You go right ahead and take it. But we don't do that, you know, because somebody's still got to be there serving the customers. Right. You see, we're all so interconnected that it's even difficult for someone who is a little stronger, a little more healthy at the time, in the moment to recognize what the need is, to say, go ahead and do what you need to do. Mm. Um, Because someone still has to pick up that load. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a society where everybody's afraid or shamed into setting down the load, how are you going to, how are you going to get well? Right. No, you bring up another great point. It's just like you gave us examples of the Netflix and the coffee and like mm-hmm. all these, um, and snacking, of course, I am a victim of mm-hmm. this as well. <laughs> it's where you are kind of like putting a bandaid to the real problem, but it's only mm-hmm. going to get it worse. And I feel mm-hmm. like, and based on your um, description, it's just like, we're just ignoring the recognition of here's the root of the problem. We're just too afraid to either admit it or just like do anything about it. It's hard to stop. It's hard to stop when you're, um, when you're on a certain trajectory, mm-hmm. it's difficult to, to change and, 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 and go a different way. Why is this term mental health with um, self-care is used so lucidly? Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is. It's taking care of yourself. See, we've connected it to mental illness for so long that we forget that it's the basic, it's like the the basic stuff of life. Mm -hmm. It's eating well, it's eating and balance. And and balance is a key word because when things fall out of balance, you can do a couple things to tweak your your thing, your life, and you're you're sort of back on track. You put that little train back on track. Mm-hmm. You can get so out of balance that you don't know how to get that train back on track. Like most of us, life doesn't happen one or two things at a time. You know, you get overwhelmed. You get five or six things happen. And then somebody looks at you funny or the relationship mm-hmm. goes south. You know, all things that if you looked at them individually, they all have a resolution. They all have a solution. But when, when, they, when they add up and they consume you, 
then it's like it becomes too much and then people check out and depending on how long you're able to check out like you know other people haven't noticed to kind of help you check back in um the longer you can check out the, the worse you make it so now it's becoming worse you know like like a wound that festers you know you could just put some iodine on it you mm -hmm. know but now it's infected and so that's just a little infection that you know is, is, is attached to your arm but what if you're getting infected all over mm -hmm. and and you got the financial problems or you don't have health insurance and so you're not actually talking to your doctor because you don't have a doctor or you do have a doctor but you know it's still going to be a lot of money you can't afford the copay or you've got this issue but you know your child has a heart problem and so you prioritize your child over over you right so it's very easy to see how things can spiral out of control and that's why that's why we like to say we like to focus on things before they get like that, before you need, before it becomes a clinical thing. You can get people to open up so much easier if you just sit down and you relate with them. So if they like to cook, then you cook a meal with them. If it's a kid and they play soccer, then you kick the ball around. If it's, um, you know, we do these events and we call them bear making parties and we make turn socks into bears. But the entire time we're talking and we're relating. And because we are a mental health organization, people love talking mental health with us or bringing us the situation that's hard. But it's not in a format where I'm the expert and you're the person being treated, which is a, which is a, a problem. Right. And when people see those things, then that's where the stigma can rear its ugly head. But mm. if, if we're here, if we're cooking together, we're making our bears together, we're playing soccer together, Whatever we're doing together or making art together, now we're equals. Now I can tell you about, you know, how lonely it feels that I can't, you know, we can't go out anymore. And I can say, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm looking at people through screens. Mm. It's really lonely. And I, I miss this and I miss that. I miss me and my guy being able to go and do this. And they go, you know what? I miss that too. And now you're having a conversation and it's not first of all it's you know it's not you've got this bad thing oh you guys are having relationship trouble it's not that it's you know yeah we're all in this together and we're all in it together it's not scary well, it's less scary right I, I wouldn't say grew up but it's like we have a pinpoint image of mental health as like an asylum as like, yes as okay. like um the bear the the root of like what is really mental health. But I feel like the past five years, that narrative is starting to change. It's, it's more about you. How do yeah. I take care of myself to make sure the next day will be better? Or I'm doing something to improve my well being? Or what yes. can I do to be the better neighbor, the better friend, or whatever the best yes. person you can be? You just gave me goosebumps. That is so well stated. It's exactly that. It's about taking care of you, it's loving you. And it's about taking care of other people, loving them. Because at some fundamental level, we're all realizing we are really connected. Mm -hmm. Much more probably than we thought. You know, things that I do affect you. Mental health as a conversation is not just happening with adults and young adults, but it's also happening <laughs> with children. So I definitely do agree that that initiative 
for as little as, I don't know, maybe kindergarten, first grade, second grade, mm-hmm. that that's, we're, we're making this conversation norm. So that's we, a really yeah. good sign. We have an early childhood program um, at schools now, and I, and I do work there too. And the kids are coming in at age three. Right. They don't have a diagnosis yet because they're too young to have a diagnosis. Right. But you're working with them to see what's going on there right? and they, what extra services might they need um, as they you know, get ready to enter kindergarten and helping them get ready for kindergarten. Yeah, and no surprise, they have feelings and go through trauma as well. So it's yeah. better to attack it when they're young. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how could the library help with patrons like mental health? Well, one of the first things I, I know libraries are already doing it's getting to know their patrons, mm-hmm. the ones that are checking out books, the ones that are never going to check out a book, <laughs> that are going in there maybe just to play the games or just to use the computer, use the computer for games or use the computer to do their resumes or just need a warm place to sit or a place to sit. Um, mm-hmm. Just acknowledging them and looking at them um, when they come in, that starts that rapport and, and developing a relationship a relationship such that if they needed someone to talk to, they would talk to you. And I don't mean, you know, they're going to break down their life story, talk to you, but, you know, I'm thirsty. Do you know where I can can I get something to drink? Um, Do you guys mind if I hang out in here for a little while? Does something happen? I know Mm -hmm. women um, who are in um, very stressful and sometimes abusive situations will also go to the library just to have quiet and just to have some peace. You get to see those faces. You're like a first point of contact for some of those uh, irregularities. And that's huge. And I don't know that library workers thought of themselves like that. I, I started thinking of them like that, though, because I started seeing, um, as, I, as I became a parent and, and spending time in the library, I saw that the library is not just filled with kids, you know, doing research. But here's what I, I've noticed. I've noticed libraries, um, and I'd say continue this, in the way that makes sense for your community. I've noticed libraries seeking out new programming. I would say that um, if there's um, a homeless organization that's in your community, maybe partnering with them to to work together on on what some of those needs are. Um, But just taking the lead on it, taking the lead to, to, to bring those groups together, families together, and I think that's all good. And they bring things that change with the times. And it's just a way to engage the community. And if you can keep engaging the community and, and you serve all the members of the community from the youngest to the oldest. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep, keep with those programs. I think libraries are doing it. The make the, the maker fair or fest, I think you guys called it that we participated at your library. That was huge. I love that. I saw, I saw Bernadetta in Wisconsin at the maker fair. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it was like an old friend. And I hadn't seen her since that one event at your library. Oh, wow. But it felt like we were old friends. And so those connections are, um, they're just wonderful. You never know when you need to call on someone. And you yeah. know, you know, you got a guy, you got a girl. And it, it just continues to grow. Yes, it does. Yeah. That's con- the connections. So the library is a huge um, connector for communities. Not only am I so appreciative of like social work and mental health workers and can't say this enough that they are so essential for our well-being and you all do amazing work. We live in a country right now where everything's in flux. Just to leave an example, it's just like with the e-learning and the social isolation and so on and so on. 
I want to give you the last few minutes of the podcast or this episode just to just share a little bit of wisdom for those who can definitely need it for this time. So I'll let you have the final floor and just. Okay. Thank you. Um, And you're right. Um, Mental health workers, social workers, social service workers, providers, they are so important. I think that if we just control the one thing that we can control ourselves, then we'll be just fine. I do. I got high hopes for America. I have high hopes for the world, though. Because if you look at it, I mean, we, for all, all humanity's faults, we're still pretty loving. You know, we care about each other. We care about the animals. We care about the earth. We care about the planet. And you can't have the majority of people, and I still think it's a majority of people caring about things that exist outside of themselves, seemingly outside of themselves. We're still connected. Right. Um, I don't think you can have a majority feel that way and, and have things not get better. I think things are going to get better. Are you going to stay in the game with me? We're going to stay in the game? Oh, of course. I'm, I'm optimistic. <laughs> I'm all in. Um, Very good. Well, I don't know about the audience, but this is a great conversation. I hope they got something out of it. And uh, can't thank you enough for joining me for this episode. And uh, hopefully, thank you so much for inviting me. It's it was an honor just to to be called upon to just talk to have the conversation. Well, I'm glad we did it too, and I hope we get to actually meet um, in person someday. Absolutely, definitely uh, make that happen. Absolutely, forward right. to and it. Thank you to your audience. Oh. Uh, once again, thank you so much to Erin for taking time out of her busy day to join us on this episode. I felt pretty refreshed and pretty um, calm with our conversation. I hope you felt the same way. If you would like to find out more information about Erin's work, you may go to www.ipositive.org. And also a telephone number is 708 613 Again, it's 708 708- Six one three eight nine four six. All right, that's today's episode. I hope you enjoy, and I'll hear from you all soon.